At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warmer from the low. Welcome to Bobby Las Vegas for Discussions with myself, Craig Spears. And now part of the Visa Family Podcast, we've got a great podcast for you guys. We've got another conference preview for you guys. I believe that this is conference preview number three in the last seven days. So we're starting to pound these out and... Today we give our love to the smart kids. We take a look at the Ivy League and for those of you guys that like to be able to break things down, not necessarily look at all teams in college basketball because this podcast, we look at everything from the ACC down to the SWAC and the MEAC and all those various conferences. Well, if you're looking for one to be able to hone in on, I would say that the fewest moving parts is out there in the Ivy League. You're going to notice him. We're going to be talking about this in the second segment with our good friend Kevin Sweeney. He does a great job with the CBB Central Podcast. On top of that, he does an amazing job over there at Sports Illustrated. We're going to be running through the rosters with him. Really no transfers out there in the Ivy League because, well, the academic standards are so high that it's hard for them to be able to bring in anyone whatsoever. So, that'll keep things all nice, clean, and easy there. And obviously, if you're getting recruited by any schools, you have to be very, very smart as well. It goes without saying there. But we're going to be taking a look at all these rosters with Kevin in the second segment. In the final segment, I'm going to give you guys my projector finish for the Ivy League. And here in the first segment, I'm going to give you guys some betting trends and just styles of play in general that we wind up seeing in the Ivy League. If you ever have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you always have one of two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNRNers41. Keep in mind, letters DM. Name does not matter. As per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you're at this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. We've got all the formalities done and just want to give you guys a few notes here. First things first, anyone looking for a little bit more baseball and I guess you call it football in general preview coverage. I'll be on the look at all week long here at the Vegas Sats and Information Network. Pretty much if you're out there on the East Coast, Tuesday morning through Friday morning, I'm going to be on from 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern Time. If you're out here on the West Coast, this begins at 10 p.m. and runs through 1 a.m. pretty much Monday through Friday. So we've got you guys covered there. And then on top of that, if I miss any news and notes from College Basketball on Sunday, I will brush those up on the podcast tomorrow. So let's get down to it. Let's take a look at the Ivy League. And the Ivy League was a very interesting conference as you didn't know what to expect after they wound up opting on the 2020-2021 campaign. And what you wound up seeing in conference, lots and lots of unders as you wound up having one team play more overs than unders in conference play. And that'd be fine because they wound up playing 15 games against Ivy League foes. They wound up playing eight overs and seven unders. 
All these other teams wound up playing either 50% or more of their games the under, including Yale, which out of their 16 games, 10 of them wound up going under. But if you take a look at what wound up happening during the non-conference portion of the season, every one of these teams played at least 50% of their games to the over. So you could tell that bookmakers were a little bit lost as to what to expect from the Ivy League. A lot of these teams, they want to be embracing scoring. Some of these teams want to kicking it up tempo like Cornell. They were 26th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Columbia, they certainly were no tortoise either. So that was very interesting. But on top of that, you wind up seeing both a little bit of two different things. Both the fact that the three-point shooting in this conference was relatively solid. You wind up seeing a team like Princeton being the top 50 in all of college basketball in terms of three-point shooting percentage. Cornell, they certainly embrace being able to take some threes as well, but on top of that, the three-point shooting defenses in this conference were not necessarily great. Now, Cornell, a little bit more of their issue was the fact that down low, they were right around 339th in the country in terms of opponents' two-point shooting percentage, but Columbia was wretched on defense. They were in the bottom 20 in all of college basketball and points allowed on a per-possession basis. They were 342nd in the country in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage. You really have one outlier. That'd be Yale. They were 36th in the country in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage just after they were a little bit of a wreck on defense to begin the season. Harvard, they were 331st in the country in opponents' three-point shooting percentage. That was not necessarily too terrific. Dartmouth is always a very interesting team as well. They're a team that they always wind up playing a little bit slower, but they were even 215th in the country in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage, including allowing opponents to shoot 36% from three-point range against them at home. I mentioned the fact that Cornell, they were a little bit more, shall we say, not sound down low, but even their three-point shooting defense, that was still a little bit shaky, 100th in the country as well. So you did wind up seeing an Ivy League in which they were really looking to go out there get some buckets, and as a result, you did wind up seeing some teams be relatively efficient on the offensive end, and really the team that was able to do this, that'd be Princeton. Princeton was a bunch that they wanted ranking when it was all said and done in the top 45 in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, so they were able to do a very good job of being able to crank things up, be able to put some points on the board, and you did wind up seeing a Columbia team that was not so great with this regard, 330th in the country in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. Dartmouth was just all over the place. Drawing 37th with that regard. Just a team that year in and year out, they've never really been able to find their form. Brown, they were a little bit of a herky-jerky team as well. A team that played very solid defense towards the beginning part of the season. They wound up going a little bit more straight down the toilet bowl towards the second half of the campaign as well. So, going to be interesting to take a look at them for this season. And for Yale, they wound up having some very demonstrative home and road splits with regards to their offense as they wound up scoring 12.5 points on a per-1 our possession basis more at home rather than on the road as well. So that is going to be something to take a look at because they wind up losing their main score and that's going to be a big thing that I'm going to be talking about with our good friend Kevin Sweeney in the second segment. The fact that you've got an Ivy League that so many of the top scorers from last year like Jalen Llewellyn, like for Yale, Jalen Gibbon, along with Amir Swain. These guys are going to be out in the fold for this season. That is really going to be putting them behind the eight ball. For Harvard, they just wound up having Murphy's Law hit them. Noah Kirkwood was their top scorer. He's going to be gone, but I mean, just the fact that they're going to be getting back some of those injured guys with pretty much an addition by just being able to get them back in the fold in general. That is going to be very big for them, and this really did wind up showing through in terms of the against the spread record that you wind up seeing with these Ivy League teams. 
teams is Harvard, a team that they just dealt with massive injuries. They wound up going 10 and 13 against the spread, but you take a look at what Harvard was able to do out of conference, where for the most part, they wound up playing with a relatively healthy lineup, and Harvard, they wound up being able to go 5 and 4 against the spread out of conference when they got in conference, and they wound up having those injuries manifest themselves. It was not necessarily so great, and you can tell that it was very much overreactionary with this as well, because I feel like bookmakers, they were just like betters trying to catch up figuring, okay, this is a conference in which nobody wanted to play last season. What can we expect out of them? So it really put them in a little bit of a bind. Cornell wanted coming out guns blazing because they completely changed their style of their nine non-conference games. They wanted being able to cover eight of them. That was one of the best marks they were able to find in all of college basketball. What can Brown do for you? Well, they were able to cover eight out of their 13 non-conference games as well. We had a lot of teams that were right around 500, maybe a little bit above it. Dartmouth, Harvard, they both went either 5-4 and four or 5-4-1 and one against the spread out of conference. Princeton, they wound up going 6-6 six and six as well. And then when it wound up getting the conference play, that Cornell team that wound up going 8-1 and one against the spread, you did wind up seeing a little bit of regression there. They were still solid, but they went down to 8-7 and seven against the spread. You can tell the bookmakers did a solid job of being able to adjust there. Harvard, they went 5-9 and nine against the spread in conference. A lot of that is just due to the fact that they wound up having massive amounts of injuries. Wind up taking hold there. Dartmouth, a team that wasn't great straight up. They went 9-4-1 against the spread. And when it comes to home court advantage in this conference as well, a little bit intriguing because you have in the Ivy League something that we wound up seeing a little bit of during the 2020-21 campaign with a lot of those teams in conference, but the Ivy League, they do it every single year where you've got the back-to-backs. They wind up having a case in which they wind up playing like Friday evening, and then you wind up having a team that they wind up hitting the road on Friday. They wind up going to a new venue on Saturday as well, which I always think is very intriguing to take a look at. And when it comes to these teams that they wind up playing on no rest, the teams that wind up being able to do the best with it, because you only wind up seeing it a few times, you do wind up having Dartmouth and Harvard go 2-0 and against the spread. But most of these teams went somewhere in the neighborhood of 2-2 two and two against the spread in terms of playing off of no rest, and if you wind up just doing a little bit more of a deep dive on it, because I think that a one-year sample size since most of these teams had between two and four games in practice of it, but if you take a look through the year, since the 2015-16 season, the one team that has really been able to excel on these no-rest games, that'd be Harvard going 24-17 and against the spread in this time span, and if you just take a look at Teams that have been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to get the job done and being able to win at home last season, the team that was the best in terms of covering at home, that would be Penn. They went 7-2 against the spread. Meanwhile, Brown, things did not go well for them. 2-9 against the spread at home. Columbia, 3-9 against the spread at home. And very much correlated as to what we wound up seeing in the entirety of the Ivy League. As you wound up seeing Columbia have a cataclysmically bad year last season. As we're going to be diving into that with Kevin Sweeney in the second segment for Columbia. They wound up winning just four games all season when it comes to what they were able to do in conference. They wound up going 1-13. Things certainly not going well for Jim Ingles' squad over there with Columbia. And the team that was able to do the best in conference, that would be Princeton straight up. They wound up going 12-2. Yale was 11-3, followed by Penn going 9-5. So, makes sense that Penn would be one of your better teams against the spread at home. And then other teams that wound up doing relatively solid against the spread at home, Dartmouth, just because they were able to cover a lot of games, 5-2-2 and two against the spread at home. Cornell wound up going 7-3. and three. And then you did wind up seeing... Yale, Princeton, along with Harvard, all go 5-7 and seven against the spread at home as well. As you did also wind up seeing a relatively solid year from Cornell in terms of conference play. They wound up going 7-7. Seven and seven. They were a su- 
they were able to surprise a lot of people. Meanwhile, Harvard, Brown, 5-9, and nine, just straight up in conference play, while Dartmouth was able to go 6-8 and eight to really a surprise to myself and many, many others. And it's going to be interesting to take a look at them this season. So how about if we do a little bit of a deep dive on all these teams with our good friend Kevin Sweeney. He does a great job over there with the CBB Central Podcast along Sports Illustrated. We're going to dive into all eight teams and their rosters and a little bit more about just their general play in general next right here on Coach Coast Soups with myself, Greg Spears, and now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts as this is the Ivy League Conference Preview Edition. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. And we're back here with Lovely Las Vegas because Coast to Coast with myself, Greg Spears, and now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast, the Ivy League Preview Edition, and great to be joined by our guests as this band joined me last year for the Ivy League Preview Edition when, well, 
we really didn't know what to expect going into the 2021-22 season because, well, we had a layoff for the Ivy League, and fortunately that is not the case this year. And this man, he never has a layoff because this man is very hardworking over there at Sports Illustrated. Also does a great job with the CBB Central podcast as well. It is Kevin Sweeney's joining me. You're able to follow him on Twitter at CBB underscore Central. And Kevin, it is always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Greg. It is always a pleasure, my friend. And let's take a look at these eight teams. As I mentioned, a little bit of an easier conference to be able to take a look at because, well, there's no trap door of taking a look at a bunch of guys that they wind up coming in via the transfer portal. But we certainly do see some guys that wind up leaving via the transfer portal. And I feel like no team has been hit more than Princeton. Princeton winds up losing Jalen Llewellyn, who was just such an integral part of what the team was able to do by a season on offense. They wind up losing quite a few other guys as well. Tucson, Yves Wowman, I always say that last name incorrectly, but he was just the ultimate Swiss Army knife at six foot eight, double figure amount of points per game, five rebounds, five assists. He was able to do a very solid job for this Princeton team, but it's going to be very much a new look team with a lot of their backcourt pieces gone from last season. And I think it's going to be tough for them to duplicate the amazing run that they wound up having in the Ivy League last season. I still think they'll be right up there at the top. I think Mitch, you know, Mitch Henderson does a great job of building around Tosan. Obviously, Tosan is unbelievably skilled and so unique you know, at 6'8 to be able to pass and rebound and kind of go coast to coast. And I think their roster last year was made almost perfectly for him because they had all those guys who could make shots. They had a guy like Jalen Llewellyn, like you mentioned. But you know, this team was top 10 in the country in three-point percentage. And it was Kazanik and Wright and Drew Freiberg and all these guys. I think Ryan Langborg will have to step up. He'll have to make more shots. You're looking for guys in this rotation, guys who don't have a ton of experience, who can step up and make shots. Matt Aloko is a guy I, I could see doing that. You know, He's 45% on limited volume last year. Obviously, they've recruited at a pretty high level, so I think that's something you look for as well. Uh, I know the kid Caden Pierce from the Illinois Wolves is an interesting piece for them. He could maybe step into the mix. So obviously a lot of it is, is Tosan, and the big question is how does everyone off of him play, and do they make shots like they did last season? If they do, they're going to be really tough, even though they do lose a lot outside of him. Yep, they do lose three other top five scores from last season, but Tosan, who you mentioned, he is going to be back to the fold, one of the most versatile players at the mid-major level, so that's going to be massive for them. And what's going to be massive for Harvard is that they really don't have a ton coming in in comparison to past years in terms of recruiting, but they wound up just having Murphy's Law hit them out of their top six scores from last season. Three of them wound up missing at least half the season. They do wind up losing Mason Forbes via the transfer portal, but Chris Ledlam is going to be back after he averaged 16.5 points, 9.3 boards, a little bit over a steal and a half per game last season, able to shoot threes at six foot six. No doubt losing Kale Catchings along with Noah Kirkwood from last season because they're just flat out of eligibility and Catchings just decided to go elsewhere via the transfer portal. That hurts as well, but someone like a Lewis Lesmond, who as a freshman was able to see some meaningful minutes, got to expect him to play a very big role. And I just think a clean bill of health in general, going to be big for a Harvard team that you tell that those injuries caught up to him towards the back half of last season. I think that as long as these guys stay healthy, they're going to be back towards the top of this conference. They've been so injury prone you know, year after year. I mean, you can look all the way back to you know, Bryce Aiken and Seth Towns and guys like that. They just have been snake bitten over the years. And I think this group, you know, with Ledlam, with Sakota, who can really make shots, Lesman, who you mentioned, they've got some real good size and versatility on the wing. Uh, I'm just kind of curious where the production comes from in the front court. You know, they have a freshman, Chisholm Akpara, who I saw play 
at one point during the high school season. He's a pretty interesting prospect, long athletic guy who you maybe could use up there. Obviously, they have some guys who just haven't contributed a ton over their careers, but have been highly regarded recruits over the years, just as a jug pour would be one example of that. Back when he was being recruited, it was Northwestern versus Harvard for him, and he chose the Crimson. So certainly the caliber of talent is not lacking with this group, but like you said, certainly have to be healthy. I do want to see how the front court develops without Forbes and also Catchings, who was a really good, you know, steady piece at the floor for them. I'm in agreement with you there as well, and going to be interesting to see if Harvard, to your point, is able to stay healthy because that has been a big bugaboo for them in recent years. It's joining me. We do have Kevin Sweeney, who does a great job with Sports Illustrated and a team that, on my side of things in terms of betting, well, they were able to make a bunch of money, and that'd be the Cornell Big Red. I don't think a lot of people saw a 15 on 11 record for them last season as they wound up playing with their hair on fire, top 30 team. In terms of total possessions per game, they do lose a bit from last season. Dean Knoll decides to leave via the transfer portal to Sony Brooks, Sarju Patel. He is heading to the America East as well, but Keller Boothby is going to be back for the team from last season. Chris Mannon, he was able to do a nice job, be able to put up 10 points per contest. And take a look at this Cornell team here. Didn't have a single guy that gave you more than four and a half rebounds per game. You didn't have a single guy that put up more than 10 and a half points per game. And yet they were put up nearly 79 and a half points per contest. Certainly a team of which, to use this phrase, the whole was greater than the sum of its parts. If they do, Even though they do wind up losing some of those parts last season, I think that it's very clear that Brian Earl knows how to coach. And I think that this is a Cornell team that, with their style of bringing back someone like a Boothby, who is a very good outside shooter, they should be still very formidable out here in the Ivy League. And they love to put them up. I mean, very few teams put up threes at the rate that they did. They flew up and down the floor. I mean, it's so different from what they had done in the past. I mean, I think I turned on one of their non-con games last year. One of the bye games, they were playing Virginia Tech or Syracuse. And I was like, does Cornell think they're the Warriors? Like, what's going on here? I mean, it was just a completely different style of play. And, you know, they've relied on their depth, their balance. You know, nobody played more than 60% of their minutes last year. There's another kind of illustration, like some of the stuff you mentioned. But, yeah, I think the question with them is just, do they have enough talent? They kind of put it together with what they had. And, you know, certainly guys like Boothby and Manning and you know, Greg Dolan can help, but you look down the line and you say, okay, is there enough here to really push for for a championship, right? Obviously, last year they made the postseason. That's a big deal for them. They had not made the Ivy League tournament before then. They've done a really good job there, Brian Earl and their staff. They do a really tremendous job with what they have. I think it's probably the hardest job in the league, but I just don't know that they have the talent to truly take the next step. Now, that doesn't mean they can't be right in the mix for the playoff or the postseason yet again, be in that top four, but I don't necessarily think they crack the top two or the top three. The gap in talent between a Princeton and them, but to Harvard and them, potentially a Yale and them, is just pretty big right now. I agree with you there. I don't think that Cornell can compete in that top two, but I think that perhaps getting that four seed to be able to make the Ivy League tournament. That's certainly in range for them and for Penn. That certainly is in range for them as well. But the question is, what are they going to be able to get down low? Because ever since A.J. Badur wound up leaving, and I used to always call him the Ethan half of the Ivy League because the guy did a little bit of everything. It's been a little bit tough for Penn down low. Now, the backcourt, very good for the team. Jordan Dingle was able to put up 20 and a half points per contest. He was certainly willing to put up the threes. Clark Slashert, he was able to give the team 10.5 points per game, but you really didn't have anyone outside of Max Martz who was able to give you more than five rebounds per game. Michael Wong was a guy that year in and year out, you were looking at him being able to take the next step forward. He decided that he was going to leave via the transfer portal in the offseason. They wind up losing Jelani Williams as well. A little bit of a combo player, but by and large, backcourt, it is back for this team. My one question with this team, who's going to be able to rebound the ball for them? Yeah, 100%. And I think they had thought when they recruited him that Max Lorca-Lloyd, who was a pretty well-regarded recruit at the time, 
would develop into that. He hasn't so far. Obviously, again, with the Ivy League schools in particular, you have to consider that the last couple of years have just been very strange developmentally. They haven't had guys. They didn't have guys on campus in 2020, 21. In many cases, he got back finally, and you're kind of thrust into catch up mode. And it worked really well for some teams like Cornell, who really reinvented themselves. And I think for other teams, it was just you know, more tricky and trying to figure out, or especially with individual players, you know, how how, how do we get guys up to speed and you know, playing our system? And I think for Penn, it's been a little bit more of the latter, just taking time to get guys up to speed, especially up front. Now they have the guards to be competitive. Dingle is as good a scorer as I think you'll find in the Northeast mid-major landscape, but. In terms of the front court, I do agree. It is a little bit bleak right now. And I think that it's very fair to take a look at this team and question their front court as well as Kevin Sweeney joining me on the podcast to be able to take a look at the Ivy League. And that'd be Yale because Yale made the NCAA tournament last year with not having a single guy averaging more than 4.5 rebounds per game, which that is a feat in and of itself. But now you lose your two double-digit scorers from last year. Azar Swain, along with Jalen Gibbeton, Gibbeton was able to give the team 11.5 points per contest. He winds up transferring out of the program. Swain is just flat out out of eligibility after he wound up putting up 19 points per game. So you don't have a single guy that returns that averages over 7.2 points per contest. I will say good combo players on this team like Matt Noling, Matthew Cotton, Ed Jarvis, guys like this are relatively solid. And James Jones always does an amazing job of being able to coach up the CL team. I think that it could be much like we wound up seeing with last year, it, much like we wound up seeing last year with Yale, where Yale, they wound up having a rough non-conference portion of the schedule, but they found themselves, and then in conference, they were able to take off, they were able to play some good defense. I could see that being the same thing for Yale this season. Yeah, I agree, and I think the front court question, you hope that you know, younger players in the program can continue to develop. You know, Yusuf Basaama was a guy who I remember early in the season they gave a shot to and was kind of up and down. Jack Malloy is a guy I remember really liking out of high school. He was originally Northfield Mount Hermon, then he transferred to the Hotchkiss School. Danny Wolf is an Illinois kid, transferred to Northfield Mount Hermon. They love love to recruit those prep schools in the Northeast. And another guy who at one point had high major offers, Minnesota, DePaul, Penn State, George Mason in the A-10. So those are the types of guys you're hoping can give it to you right away. But I think the worry with this group, obviously Nolan and Cotton are really good. But Jalen Gabadon was one of the best defensive players in the league, if not the best defensive player in the league. Really, really solid, stout wing defender who could make shots. And then obviously Swain was so gifted with the ball in his hands. I don't think you see that with Noling or Cotton in the same way. There's their ability to break you up the balance like Swain could do, their ability to go get 20 the way Swain could do. So you're replacing that in addition to some of the questions maybe up front. That's, that's why I might be a little bit more apprehensive with Yale right now. Yep, and now the question becomes, what can Brown do for you? Because Brown is a team that, towards the non-conference part of the schedule, I really like what I saw. And in terms of the way that the freshmen came together, it was one of the better teams out there in this conference. But now Tamanang Chill along Jalen Ganey, they're out of eligibility. These two guys want to combine to average a little bit over 15 rebounds per game. But you've got a backcourt to be able to build around Keno Lilly Jr., 13.5 points per contest, 2.5 assists per game. Dan Friday, someone that I like, he's able to do all the ball. He's able to give you right around 8.5 points per game. Paxson Wojcik is one of the very rare transfers in this conference that wanted coming in from Loyola Chicago as well. And then I still remember from the under-19 FIBA event from a few years ago, Nana Owusu Anane is someone that I'm very high on, six foot eight gentlemen that I think could wind up filling some of those minutes that are going to be left from the gentlemen that are going to be leaving down low. I take a look at this Brown team, and I think that there's a lot of upside with them, and they might be the biggest wild card in this conference. Yeah, like you said, the guards are really good. Like Lily, with how good he was as a freshman, starting to think about 
you know, all conference trajectories. You know, can he be a guy who averages 17, 18, 19 points a game and, and wins player of the year? That's what you're hoping for when you have a kid who is as productive as he was as a freshman. Obviously, the front court question is there. It's very real. I think Owusu Anane is the guy that you have to look to and hope that he can give you 25 minutes a game and can be productive and eight minutes, right? Obviously, it doesn't have to be a strength, but I do think they're really going to miss Ganey because Ganey was sort of an eraser on the back end. He's at Florida State for this season, which is a really good defender, kind of pogo stick athlete. You know, when you have the guards who can create off the bounce like Lily and Wojcik and Friday, you know, to be able to throw lobs, that was a big deal as well. It's going to hurt them missing Ganey. I know you didn't even average 10 points a game, but that's a guy who will be missed for this Brown team. Yep, and you know it's going to be missed for Dartmouth. Darn near all their scoring from last year. They lose each other top four scorers from last year. Brendan Mary, along with Aaron Ray, Torres Samuels, Garrison Wade. All these guys are the full. Dame Adokun is going to be coming back. You want to give him the team eight points, six half rebounds per game. But I take a look at this Dartmouth team. They're always a team that they play very slowly. The team defense typically is not too bad, though. The three-point shooting defense last year, it was uncharacteristically not so great. It's a Dartmouth team that, in general, they have not had a winning record this millennium. I don't see it happening this season. They lose a ton from last year, and I just don't see where the production is going to be coming from in the backcourt with losing someone like a Brandon Berry, who was really the heart and soul of this team last season. Yeah, and I said that I thought that Cornell's the toughest job in the league. I probably still stand by that, but Dartmouth is not an easy day by any means. And like you said, the lack of success illustrates that at the cross coaches. It's not... Dave McLaughlin's fault in whole. Obviously, I think whenever you're losing, there's more you could be doing. But I do think this was just a place where it's hard to get to the top four. And I just don't know that I see it happening this year. Like you said, I think Brennan Berry has been a great player for them. Left and came back, actually, for the COVID year, went off the Temple. You know, had a good good season there, came back and was productive. But at the end of the day, they just need more in the backcourt than what they've gotten. And I just don't see that coming. So expectations are pretty low here for me with Darvin. Yep, I am in total agreement with you there. And we've got one last team to take a look at. And boy, Jim Ingles is probably thinking, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Because when he left NJIT for Columbia, things were going well there. Things were going well for Columbia before Jim Ingles wound up coming in as well. And I think that this just illustrates the job that wound up being done by Kyle Smith. He wound up winning 25 games during the 2015-16 season. As we know, he has become a riser in the college basketball ranks since Jim Ingles has taken over. Columbia, 39-99. and 99. It is a big-time put-up-or-shut-up year, in my opinion, for Columbia because it feels like the Ivy League just a little bit down with all the players that wound up graduating, so transferring in the offseason. And other than Ike Nikwe, who he wound up being injured for much of the year last year as well, most of the guys are back. Cameron Shockley, OKK, was someone that was able to put up 7.5 points per game. Xavier McLean was able to give you some production. Liam Murphy is a little bit of a six foot seven combo player that's able to shoot threes and the guy that you got to get hyped up about for the team is Geronimo Rubio de la Rosa as a freshman. 12.5 points, four boards, three assists per game for Columbia. I feel like this has to be a year in which they don't need to wind up winning the conference or anything like that. But 4 and 22 and 1 and 13 in conference, unacceptable in my opinion. They need to take some strides forward this year. And I do think that they have the roster to do so. It's just been a case in which Jim Ingles has not been able to get the job done at Columbia to this point, though. Yeah, I will say I think the recruiting has been really solid, particularly considering you're walking into a hot seat year. I know that obviously at Ivy League schools, the calculus is a little bit different because you know, you're not getting a full scholarship, but you're also not likely to be getting run off if a new coach comes in. But you know, to get a guy like Avery Brown, to get a guy like Blair Thompson, or Brown in particular, Brown was a, a highly regarded recruit 
at one point in his trajectory. He was at North Carolina Harmon, um, recruited by you know Nebraska, some Northwestern, I believe, took a, took a look. UMass, you know, the schools in the Atlantic Ten, certainly schools around schools around the Ivy League were interested in him as well. So to get Avery Brown in there, that's a huge win. That's a guy who you start to think, can we pair him with with De La Rosa? Can we pair him with some of the guys who come back and been somewhat productive? And have a little bit of a core, something to work with, and something to sell as a future, right? If you're Jim Engels, you're like, okay, we've got Avery Brown who's productive. Maybe another one of these freshmen like a Blair Thompson can contribute. Now you've got De La Rosa. We win some games. You know, Maybe we don't lose 20 this year. We compete to be in the conference tournament even if we don't make it. And there's the vision for the future, this core, and this opportunity to play together. And I think that Brown is the type of guy that you're hoping can give the type of impact that someone like Keno Lilly did last year. Now, come in immediately an average somewhere between 13 and 15 points a game. I think that's the hope if you're Jim Engels, is that someone like Brown can can change your trajectory here. And to your point, Blair Thompson, according to 247 Sports, number six rated freshman for the class of 2022 from the state of Massachusetts. Six foot seven, a little bit of a big guy that should be able to come in and should be able to help this team out. And Kevin, you're a man that you helped out this podcast today. You do an amazing job over there at Sports Illustrated. You do the CBB Central podcast as well. I know you're doing a tremendous job of getting set for the upcoming college basketball season. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Just kind of wrapping up the offseason in terms of what happened and now looking forward to what this year looks like. So I was out on the road recruiting all week and you know, saw some of the best 2023 players, talked to a lot of coaches. And we'll do one more. Uh, piece coming up about kind of the 100 moves that define the college basketball offseason. Also look for that this week. And after that, it'll be starting to think about preview time. So very exciting stuff. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out, check out my uh, my piece from a week or so ago about uh, what life looks like at St. Peter's now. I wrote about I went, out, went down to campus there and broke down kind of what life looks like for them and what life looks like for all the guys who left. So kind of an interesting 2022 college basketball story of what life looks like after Cinderella and then you bounce and go to everywhere else in the country. So thanks for having me, Greg. Kevin, I am so glad that they let you write that story because in the words of the other guys, in the words of Mark Wahlberg, you are a peacock. They've got to let you fly and they let you fly on that one. So always great to be able to see that. And Kevin doing absolutely amazing work over there at Sports Illustrated. One of the best guys in terms of being able to follow all things college basketball that you are going to find at always delivers the goods on this podcast and did so once again today. So big thanks to Kevin for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops, the Ivy League preview edition. And coming next, it is that time of the podcast to give you my projector or finish for the Ivy League. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Pierce, and now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always a pleasure to get Kevin Sweeney aboard. Does a great job taking a look at the game of basketball over there for Sports Illustrated and also does a great podcast of his own. The CBB Central Podcast was great to be able to break down all these teams with him. So big thanks to Kevin for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you my projector or finish for the Ivy League once again, like I mentioned in the first segment. Any news and notes I want to missing in college basketball from Sunday, we're going to be polishing those up on the podcast tomorrow, so I have no fear. We've got you guys all covered there, and we've got you guys covered with taking a look at what we're going to be getting out here in the Ivy League this season as we wind up going from 8-1 to one in terms of my projector or finish, and at dead last... Dartmouth. Oh boy, it is going to be a rough year for Dartmouth. They 
They have not had a winning season in each out of the last 22 years. David McLaughlin certainly has his work cut out for him. It's really hard to recruit to this school. They did have Ryan Cornish as a freshman step up, be able to give the team seven points per contest in Dame. And a cool is able to give you right around 8.6 half rebounds per game, but boy, oh boy. This is just a little bit rough. Cam Kostroyak, he's a six foot nine, little bit of a combo player that's able to give you five points per game. And if the name sounds familiar, of relation to Larry Kristoyak, but you really need Isaiah Robinson, who averaged right around five points per contest in conference play last season to be able to step up. I just don't see where the scoring is going to be coming from. This team was brutal on defense, ranking outside the top 275 in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage. This team doesn't have a lot down low outside of Adokulin as well, so I think it's going to be a rough year out there for Dartmouth. I've got them number eight in terms of my projector or finish. And number seven, it is Columbia. I think that Columbia is going to be able to do better than the 4-22 and record, but Jim Ingles just has not been able to get the job done here at Columbia. Now, with Columbia, I actually do think that they've got a little bit of talent, and I do think that they're going to be better this season as Patrick Harding is back after he wound up giving the team 8.5 rebounds per game last season. Geronimo Rubio de la Rosa was able to give you 12.5 points. He was able to notch a little bit over three assists, was able to shoot right around 32.5% from three-point range. And then Liam Murphy, six foot seven combo player shot 36 percent from three 12 points five rebounds per game you've got guys be able to build around and as we were talking about with Kevin Sweeney they've done a good job of being able to recruit I mean you take a look at what they're getting in Blair Thompson he's a former top 250 recruit class of 2022 gentlemen that was rated by 247 sports as the number six freshman from the state of Massachusetts I just don't know if Jim Ingles is going to be able to put it all together he did a great job at NJIT ever since he's gotten to Columbia Murphy's Law has hit this team You've got Josh Odawuno along with Eddie Turner, a pair of guys that average right around 17 points per contest. Both of these guys miss at least 13 games last season. They should be able to give this team a little bit of a leg up, but for Columbia, I mean, until they wind up playing defense as they were in the bottom 25 in all of college basketball in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, I think that it's going to be a very sad state of affairs for this team, and I don't see that defense necessarily being able to take hold this season. So at number seven, in terms of my projector or finish, I am going to be going with Columbia. Now the tougher calls wind up coming about as number six in my projector finish. I am going to be going with Brown. What can Brown do for you? Well, I think that's going to be a little bit tough for our good friends, the Bears, because they do wind up losing Tamaning Cho along Jalen Ganey. These two guys wind up combining to be able to average a little bit over 15 rebounds per game. Now, Keno Lilly Jr. along with Paxson Wojcik, very solid out there in the backcourt. And Dan Friday along with Keno Lilly Jr., these two guys, they average 4.8 assists per game. And when it comes to Keno Lilly Jr., shot 40% from three-point range last season and 82% in the free throw line, but with his Brown team as well. They ranked outside the top 200 in terms of opponents, three-point shooting percentage. This was a team that even with their good rebounders, I mean, they were a relatively average rebounding team, so I do think that's going to be a little bit tough for them. Nana Owusu Anane, he wound up partaking for the country of Canada in the under-19 FIBA event last season. I really had higher expectations for him. He never really came through, and as a matter of fact, it seemed like he was actually regressing a little bit as the season wound up going on as well as taking a look at what wound up happening for him towards the back half of the season last 10 games that he wound up playing, and he only wound up having 3.8 points for contest. So 
I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a tough one once again for Brown. Brown has been looking to really be able to build themselves up for the last few years. Has not been able to happen for them and until this team is able to guard the three-point arc, I don't know if that's going to be the case and on top of that, the lack of rebounding I think is going to be nipping this Brown team in the butt. So I do wind up having them in my projector or finish at number six. At number five, I do think that it's going to be an interesting toss-up between Penn and Cornell. I am going to wind up going with Cornell because they do wind up losing some of their top guys from last season. Sarju Patel, along Dean Knoll, Jordan Jones, all these guys, they wind up leaving via the transfer portal. And then Kobe Dixon as well. Dixon, very much a combo player. He led the team with 4.6 rebounds, 2.7 assists per game. Certainly a team with which the whole is greater than some of its parts, and they play a unique style. We were mentioning it with Kevin. This team is going to put up threes, and boy, are they going to do so. They wind up averaging 9.7 made threes per game last season. That was in the top 20 in all of college basketball last year, and Really, the main thing for the team is that they were actually very good at being able to hit their twos. They were in the top 20 in all of college basketball and made two-point shooting percentage. They were also, in terms of road games, in the bottom 25 in terms of opponents made two-point shooting percentage as well. So, a team that really didn't play a lot of defense. The only guy for the team that averaged more than 3.7 rebounds per game is now out of the fold. They really didn't bring in a lot in terms of freshmen as well. So, I do think that that's going to wind up saying them behind the eight ball. Chris Mannon is really going to need to step up for the team. Shot only about 31% from three-point range. Keller Boothby, I think, is really going to be the X factor because he wound up having a little bit of an uneven season last year. Someone who was able to give the team right around 8.5 points, 3.7 rebounds per game, but the three-point shooting percentage, it was just a little bit all over the place. You take a look at what he wound up doing in the last, we're going to call it about 15 games of the season, and he wound up shooting about 42.5% from three-point range, but you take a look at what he wound up doing, certainly in the, I guess you can call it, calendar year of 2021, and this guy was just a walking bucket in the first 11 games of the campaign. He shot 56.9% from three-point range, so I don't know if he's going to be able to get the open looks to be able to duplicate that. And with this team being a little bit rough on the glass, I do think that it's going to be tough for them to be able to crack the top four and make the Ivy League tournament. So as a result, at number five in my projector finish, I'm going to be going with Cornell. At number four, I am going to be going with the Quakers of Penn. With Penn, they do wind up bringing back Jordan Dingle. It's just a walking bucket for this team. 20.9 points, 3.5 boards, 2.5 assists per game. The one trepidation that I do have with this Penn team is that they just don't rebound. They had one guy on the roster last year that wanted to give the team more than 4.7 rebounds per game. That'd be Max Martz. 10 points, 5 boards per contest. You do have a Penn team that, as a whole, they wound up shooting right around 33.5% from three-point range. Nothing great, nothing terrible. And they were, a few years ago, a terrible free-throw shooting team. They've been able to improve that quite a bit. Clark Sleggert, he is someone that is able to shoot right around 35.5% from three-point range. 10.5 points per contest and really did a lot of his damage towards the back half of the season as well. He was able to get better and better as the season wound up going along as he was able to give the team about 12.5 points per contest the last 12 games of the season and that time span shot 35.5% from three-point range scoring eight plus points in 13 on the team's last 14 contests so that was very encouraging for this team but until they're able to get a little bit more out of someone like Michael Moshovich who was able to give the team 4.7 rebounds per game did it wind up actually chipping in there 2.8 assists per game very versatile with that regard but until you wind up just getting a little bit more rebounding with this team. It's hard for me to be necessarily all in on Penn 
being a top three team. So I do have my trepidations there. As a result, in my projector finish, I do go with Penn, and I wind up putting them at number four. At number three, I am going to be going with the Bulldogs of Yale because with Yale, they do wind up losing Azir Swain along Jalen Gibbadon. These two guys want to combine to average a little bit over 30 and a half points per contest, and you don't have a single guy last year that gave you more than four and a half rebounds per game. Ed Jarvis, very solid for this team, in which he's able to give the team six and a half points, four and a half rebounds per game. Matt Noling, Matthew Cotton, both of these guys were able to put up right around seven points per contest, and I think that they're going to be able to do a solid job in bigger roles, but you really don't have a lot of guys that are coming back that want to putting up just supreme production. August Mahoney, he was able to shoot right around 37.5% from three-point range, was also able to give the team a few rebounds, about four points per contest, but you really need a lot of these guys to be able to step up into bigger roles, and if there is a program that's able to do a nice job of being able to develop these guys, it certainly is Yale. Bringing back Isaiah Kelly, that's big as well. He wound up having six points, four boards. He's able to pass as well, so I do think that you are going to see a lot of these guys that they wound up seeing a little bit of lesser roles be able to step up, but as I mentioned with our good friend Kevin Sweeney, I think that's going to take a little bit of time, and I do think that when it comes to perhaps Ivy League tournament time, Yale might be the most dangerous team out there in this conference, but I think that in the months of January, perhaps even into early February, and certainly the non-conference portion, Yale's going to be a team that's going to be trying to find itself. So, as a result, at number three in my projector finish, I'm going to be going with the Bulldogs of Yale. At number two, I'm going to be going with Princeton. With Princeton, you bring back Tosin of a booming, he was able to give the team 16 points, six half rebounds per game, and you can insert your chuckles because I'm sure that I wound up saying his last name wrong again because, well, it's a tradition unlike any other on this podcast. I apologize to Tosan because he's a very good player, but I mean, five assists, one and a half seals per game. This guy is the best player in the conference. He is the most versatile player in the conference. With that said, you'll lose Jalen Llewellyn, who was able to put up 15.5 points per game, shot 38.5% from three on 5.9 threes per game. Ethan Wright took 5.9 threes per game. He shot 39.5% from three-point range with 14.5 points and 6.5 rebounds per game. Drew Freiberg is out of the fold. He had 9.5 points, 3.5 boards. He shot 39.7% from three-point range. That means that Ryan Langbordan, he shot it well from three. Shot 40.5% from three. He's going to need to step up. Matt Aloko, he was able to shoot a little bit over 44% from three. He only put up four points per game, though. He's going to need to be thrusted into a little bit of a bigger role as well. And for Princeton, even with their offense being as good as it was, was. I mean, this is a team that they were in the top 10 in terms of three-point shooting percentage in all of college basketball last season. They also were 351st in free throw shooting percentage. That is a little bit of an issue with this team. Tosun, he wound up shooting 56.5% at the free throw line last year. Aloko, I mentioned, and is going to need to step up. He shot 57.5% at the free throw line. That is a big issue, and for anyone that wanted to take some of my DK Nation picks, I know that Princeton's free throw shooting torpedoed at least one of them. Might have actually been two, so I'm a little bit salty there, and I do think that Princeton, they are going to be able to have themselves a relatively solid year. I think that they've got the best player in the league, but I take a look at Harvard. I've got them number one in my projector or finish because the way that this team has been able to recruit, if these guys are able to stay healthy on the floor, look out, because Chris Ledlam, when he was firing on all cylinders, 16.5 points, 
9.3 rebounds at 1.7 steals per game and shot right around 32% from three as a 6'6 combo player. This guy is able to be a game wrecker. Lucas Sakota, he is a former top 300 recruit. A guy that was able to shoot 36.5% from three. 11.5 points, 3.5 boards, 2 plus assists per game. He's able to be relatively solid for the team. Edan Tretot. He is someone that wanted missing half the season last year, but when he was out there, team wound up being able to be relatively solid. Eight and a half points. He's able to give out a few assists per game as well, so that's going to be very big for the team. Lewis Lesman was one of the more underrated recruits in all of college basketball last season as well. Just the big thing for the team is being able to have a relatively clean bill of health. Harvard is one of the best teams at being able to recruit in the Ivy League. I do think that you're going to see even someone like even a Denim Wojcik be able to take a little bit of a stride forward last season after he wanted coming off the bench after right around one and a half assists per game as a true freshman. He was able to see 12 starts, was a little bit of a defensive stopper, and Harvard, one of the better defensive teams that you're going to find out there in the Ivy League as well. Now having their pieces back out there on the floor, I do think that having back out there a healthy Chris Ludlum as he missed 13 games last season. The team was 8-5 with him on the floor, 5-8 and eight without him on the floor. That is going to be absolutely massive for them, and just getting back these guys as uh, their top six scores, three of them wound up missing at least 13 games last season. It's going to be paramount for this team. So I do have Harvard, number one in my projector finish for the Ivy League, and that will wrap things up for the Ivy League Conference Preview Edition of Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Vison Family Podcast. A big thanks to our good friend Kevin Sweeney of the CBB Central Podcast, along Sports Illustrated, for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNNRSQuarty1. Keep in mind, letters here. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you're at this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day on this podcast during the off-season news and notes of college basketball, along with the conference previews for every single conference, and you heard one of those today, so we've still got quite a few left to do, and then once we wind up getting in-season, mix and analysis on every single game, every single day, so I'll chat at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.